Hey, DJ Fluck here from Stadium Scenes Main Event. Networking has become more important than ever, so why are you still carrying around paper business cards that end up lost or in the trash? Our friends at Link have created a solution to that problem by getting your contact info directly into that person's phone with a simple tap from your plastic business card, a bracelet, or even an Apple Watch band. When it's time to update your contact info, make the change in their easy-to-use networking app. For listeners of Stadium Scenes Made Event, you can save 15% by typing in promo code StadiumScene, that's all one word, at checkout. To learn more, visit linkapp.com. That's L I N Q A P P.com. There's a lot of people in the sports world nowadays athletes, media personalities, bloggers, podcasters, video producers, influencers all with amazing stories to share about how they got to where they are today and where they're going tomorrow. I'm DJ Fluke, and along with my partners, Kate Thompson. I'm sorry, I didn't go to a college that has football teams, so sometimes I space out. And Jillian Fisher. Hey! Oh my gosh, I alerted my pug, and he's like, oh no, don't bark, please don't bark. We're here to share those stories in something we like to call StadiumScene.tv's main event. Hey, everybody. Um, this is actually a cold open that we are recording after the interview with Pat Hughes. Uh, unbelievable. It just, I reached out to his people on Monday, or actually, no, it was Tuesday. I reached out to his people on Tuesday, seeing if he'd be interested in joining us for an interview. And I'm sitting here at my desk on Thursday morning, and I get an email from him directly saying, hey, when do you want to do this? And I just like about fell out of my chair. So we were just kind of scrambling around here and, and we're like, let's get this done today. Who knows when baseball is going to start again? Like we can't blow this. So we get him on the phone and just, wow. Like Kate, I, I can't I don't believe even, we did that. I, I don't One One is like, I'm sure you can tell, but we had like little to no prep time. I'm, I'm going off of based on my knowledge and history of, of him and his experience with the Cubs alone, but Wow. This is definitely one of those episodes you listen to. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, just such a great storyteller and just like, we didn't even properly hype it. That's why we're re-recording this cold open. But just to give you an idea, he has won nine Illinois Sportscaster of the Year awards. He won three Wisconsin Sportscaster of the Year awards before he came to the Cubs. Um, he has won the Ring Larder Award for Excellence in Sports Journalism. He is the third sportscaster to be honored by on the WGN Radio Walk of Fame. And I'm guessing the other two are probably Jack Brickhouse and Harry Carey. I mean, you know, you got three greats right there. And he was a finalist in 2016 for the Ford C. Frick Award, which is uh, in conjunction with the Baseball Hall of Fame. And it's really a damn shame that he has not won that award yet. He absolutely deserves that award for you know, the best announcer in baseball. And he absolutely belongs in the Hall of Fame someday. I'm. I love listening to him. It's just unbelievable. So don't let this cold open drive you away from this episode. We'll, we'll, put, in the, we'll, we'll put in the episode notes. If you want to skip the cold open, skip to, and I'll, I'll tell you exactly where to skip to. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so great that you're telling them at the end. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what? Whatever they, they, well, I'm telling them, but they'll read it before they listen. So um, w- without further ado, 
uh, coming into his 25th season with the Chicago Cubs calling games play-by-play on the radio, please welcome Pat Hughes. DJ, nice to be with you, and uh, you're right on the money. 25 years with the it's, Cubs. It's unbelievable. Uh, 38. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> to put it in perspective, when I moved here from Milwaukee in late 1995, my daughters were in first grade and preschool. <laughs> now my daughters are the ages of 28 and 30. <laughs> wow. That's and <laughs> it just I, I you know there's just so much to get into um i mean we'll we'll start from the beginning can you know you talk a little bit about how how and why did you get into broadcasting what, what was your your inspiration there well i wanted to be a ball player i wanted to, i grew up in the bay area um i played everything football basketball baseball up until high school then i focused on basketball and baseball and then in college, I even played one year of college basketball. So I was, a, I was a good athlete, good amateur athlete, played on a lot of championship teams, loved playing. Uh, but I was not a great athlete. I was not elite. And I found out uh, as I kept rising through the ranks, once you get to college, those guys are really good players. And when I could, when I could drive to the bucket and just uh, put up some kind of a little flip layup in high school, I found out that those shots were all blocked when I was in college. So I, and I realized I was just not going to be strong enough or talented enough really to be a professional athlete. And I was about 18 and I thought, well, what would be the next best thing to being a professional athlete? I have a decent voice and I actually would practice the play by play while I sat on the bench at San Jose state uh, of my own team's game. And I'd say, you know, flips it over to Ricky, pops a jumper, got it. You know, and then the guys next to me were saying, you know, you're, you're pretty good at that. And they were saying, how can you put that into words so fast? You know, we're just watching. And I said, I don't know. I've just kind of been around sports my whole life. Um, so that was really the start of my play-by-play career as a bench warmer at San Jose <laughs> State University on the JV team in the fall of, uh, it would have been 1974. So can you tell a little bit, little bit about once you decided that th- this was going to be your career? I mean, obviously not everybody can be an announcer. How did you break into the business? Like, what was your big break? Well, I'm still waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> no, I, I think I've had several. Uh, I think um, just being able to be an announcer at triple-a level in baseball as a senior in college was a major breakthrough um the guy who started the season got fired in fact uh, he went on to become a a big league announcer himself wayne hagan was his name and uh, he got fired from the san jose missions a month into the season i got hired to do the games for triple a Pacific coast league. And I was 23 years old. Oh, wow! So that was a huge break. Um, the next big thing there was in the Bay area. They had a, a cable television sports channel. And that was in the brand new days of a thing called ESPN, which began in the fall of 1979. And, uh, I was hired as the play by play man for the local outlet in San Jose, California called the sports channel. That was a big break. I met a guy there who moved on to Ohio. And then a few years later, he called me. His name was John Petrie. 
and he hired me in Ohio to do some work on Ohio State football, to do a high school football and basketball game of the week, and to do the Columbus Clippers of the International League. That was a big break. From there, I was able to put together audition tapes, uh, radio and television, knowing that the odds were still overwhelmingly against me to become a big league announcer because everyone wants to do it. But I was lucky enough to be hired in 1983. And, and if I could just backpedal a little bit, when I was in Columbus, the owner there was uh, George Sisler Jr., the son of the Hall of Famer. And George really liked me and he liked the work that I did. And after the season was over, on my own, nobody asked me to do it. I always enjoyed producing and mm. writing. And I think I was greatly influenced as a child by NFL films. Those were absolute works of art, if you're oh, old enough yes, to remember them. Absolutely. And they still show them. But they had slow motion video. They had music. They had beautifully written scripts. And they had the great John Facenda doing the voiceovers. Yes. And I was just mesmerized by these productions of the, the combination of everything I love. Sports, music, vocabulary, writing, telling a story, putting it together as a producer. So what I did at the end of the season for the Columbus Clippers, I put together a, um, basically it was a, uh, a season ticket uh, production uh, to try to lure season ticket holders to the Columbus Clippers, a promotional vehicle, you might call it. And it accentuated all of the uh, positive aspects of, of the Columbus Clippers, the beautiful stadium they played in, the fact they were affiliated with the Yankees, and a lot of their guys went on to big league stardom, uh, the clean and friendly atmosphere at Franklin County Stadium, the reasonable prices, the history of the team. So I put all this together in a video and presented it to the Clippers. I said, this is just my way of saying thank you. And George Sister was stunned. He said, nobody's ever really done something <laughs> like this before. And I said, well, that's, that's good. <laughs> and uh, so he recommended me without me even asking DJ and Kate, uh, this is how happy he was. I did not even ask. Next thing, thing I know, he's sending a memo to the American League and National League offices uh, of the commissioner's office oh, wow. recommending me for a play-by-play -play job. That's, this that's is after amazing. one year of doing about 10 or 12 games for the Columbus Clippers. Wow. So on the basis of that memo that George Sisler sent, Billy Robertson, who was the younger, younger half-brother of Calvin Griffith of the Minnesota Twins, called me in early 1983 and said, we've got a brand-new venture here. It's called Spectrum Sports. We do 50 home games of the Twins and 50 home games of the Minnesota North Stars. Uh, would you be interested? Well, wow. Yeah, I think I would be. So I got hired there. That was a huge break. I was there for a year and a half. The Brewers radio job came open. I applied for that, again, not knowing if it was open. And they told me that there were about 150 applicants. Uh, I was lucky enough to get hired there. Uh, the runner-up was John Rooney, who was oh, the, yeah, the great voice of the, with the St. Louis Cardinals. And um, so that's kind of my full life story, and wow. I hope I haven't bored you too much. No, no it's, this is amazing. You haven't. Yeah. I have to ask, who were your broadcasting idols? I would say they were Bill King, the great voice of the Raiders, 
Warriors and Oakland A's in the Bay Area, Russ Hodges and Lon Simmons, the Giants radio television announcing duo of my youth. I love those guys. And when you're 10 or 12 years old, you think that the guys announcing are the best announcers in the world because you have no frame of reference or comparison <laughs> to other announcers. Little did I know, they both were Hall of Famers eventually. They were two of the greatest announcers ever. <laughs> so I was very lucky to listen to Russ and Lon. And then at nighttime, we could tune in 6.40 a.m. KFI Los Angeles and listen to the legendary Vin Scully. Oh, of course. So those were, those were all of my... I would say those four guys more than anybody else influenced me. And then later in my career and my life, I think I've been influenced by Bob Costas quite a bit. Oh, of course. I, I'm going to jump around a little bit. You've mentioned some some names already that I was hoping to ask you about. And, and, you know, with the mentions of NFL films, you know, you've either worked with or have been just down the hallway from some absolute greats like like a Vin Scully um, or, a, or, or a Harry Callis. Um, do you, what, what do you recall? Like, I mean, I, I would assume you've come cross paths with, with them over, over your career, you know, being right next of door. Course. Do, do you, um, you know, and you have some of your, your baseball voices collection. Um, what, what, what memories come to you when, especially with, you know, the late Harry Callis, for example, we'll start with. Wonderful man from, he was from Chicago, born in a town called Naperville, which is a suburb of Chicago, way out on the Western. That's where I used uh, to suburbs. live. Naperville. Yes. Before I moved to Phoenix. Is that right? Yeah. I lived there for about 10 years. I'll bet you really miss the winters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, Harry, Harry, Harry was wonderful. His voice was incredible. Um, nice man. And, and just always nice to me. Could not have been nicer. I loved Harry Callis. He, uh, you know, he had a lot of problems in his personal life but uh, none with me, and I never had one bad moment at all with Harry. Um, he died too soon. He was a, a chain smoker, and he, he had an, a few other bad habits, um, and I'm sure he did some things that he regretted, but he was great to me, and now there's, there's a guy who followed John Facenda as the primary voiceover talent for NFL films, yes. as you know, DJ, mm -hmm. and he was gifted. Oh, I loved his voiceover work. Um, he did commercials for Campbell Soup. He did NFL football on radio. He was um, he, he was just a, a tremendous talent, and the voice just an unbelievable oh. voice. And every time I would see him light up a cigarette, I'd say, I'd think to myself, <laughs> how can he be doing that to his voice? Oh. That voice is such a it's a special treasure. Don't harm that voice, please. But um, his, his, anyway, his he, home run calls were, were iconic between, you know, I, I mean, I'm a little bit younger, but I mean, you a little too young to remember Mike Schmidt. But like, you know, in, in the days when Ryan Howard was playing, you just remember the, the long Ryan Howard as as he you know launches a 435 foot shot into, you know, the next uh, zip code. I loved it. And there were certain names, DJ. I just love to hear him say. Mickey Morandini. <laughs> and, and I would sometimes even bring up something just so he would have to say that. But, uh, <laughs> no, he, he, he was right next to me. The Phillies TV booth was right next to the Cubs radio booth. And every time I would, every time we played each 
other, I would always go over and say hi. And he always had a smile and a friendly story. And he would tell me about his team. And I, I loved him. He was he was just great. And he's part of my Baseball Voices series. And, you know, as you mentioned, you moved on to, to Milwaukee. And, you know, you came across uh, with the great Bob Euchre who may be one of the biggest characters in the history of announcing. I mean, am I, am I wrong there? Oh, no, I think he definitely is. <laughs> He's a stand-up comedian, um, and he has had an amazing career after his baseball playing career. I, I, I still laugh when I think about him being on Johnny Carson <laughs> because Euchre Uch says the first time that he was on there, uh, as he was leaving, he heard uh, Johnny ask Ed McMahon, and he said, did that guy actually play big league baseball? <laughs> <laughs> but he did. And, uh, no, he's got a great wit about him and he's done movies and he had a television series. And, and I learned a lot from Bob. I, I tell people two things. I wish that I would have known him before he got so famous, because when I got there in 1984, he was absolutely on top of the world. And whenever he, a guy is in that spot not that i've ever been there but uh it, it just seems like when people are at the apex of their popularity um they, they can still make friends but i think they become a little bit wary mm -hmm. uh, of people and i think that um i mean heck i would have been good friends with him back in high school we, we would have been good teammates together and i i tell people i wish that i could have uh known him before he became super famous <laughs> Um, there's probably a lot that goes into that feeling, but I can't really put it into words. That would be a, and I also wish that he and I had more good teams to cover <laughs> in our 12 year run together in Milwaukee. We had some pathetic teams, actually. <laughs> uh, we, we really did. We, we lost uh, 95, 97, 98 games and, and it was grim. And even if, even if you're, you know, if you're really good friends, it's just not that much fun to drag yourself to the finish line uh, with a bad team. And we had quite a few of those. I think we had two contenders out of 12 years, and that would have been 1987 and about 1992, I believe. The rest were not not really great years. My uh, my favorite, actually, my my younger brother he's a, a big milwaukee brewers fan strictly because he loves bob euchre and i believe he has a photo of bob euchre hanging in his bedroom <laughs> i don't know what his wife thinks about that but it's i just find that hilarious um so, no wait the, the the visual there as you said <laughs> euchre hanging in his back in his bedroom now yeah it's, it's... is euchre up on a, a pull-up bar hanging <laughs> in his bedroom or is it... <laughs> No, it's 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 it's, it's like a there. it's like a framed eight by ten that just hangs above the doorway. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's 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 like the guy who who shot an elephant in his pajamas, right? <laughs> how did the pajamas? How did the elephant ever fit in his pajamas? Never mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so so real quick before we get into your. You know, your time with the Cubs. I just want to talk real quick, Vin Scully. What you know? What are your your memories of, of working down the hall from him? Well, first of all, you do know that earlier today, Vinny was hospitalized. I did not hear that. He had a he had a fall oh. in uh, Los Angeles. He on Tuesday. Oh, he was hospitalized. He's 
apparently in good spirits. I just read the story online. Um, he's making jokes, which is typical of him. Uh, he, he said, I'm not going to try to do any more head first sliding. So he <laughs> fell at home. Yeah. And now he's, he's resting comfortably and they say he will be able to go home soon. But, uh, Vinny is 92. Uh, not only is he the greatest baseball announcer ever, but nobody else is even close. And it's almost laughable uh, how much greater he is than anyone else. He's completely in a class by himself. And, um, you know, I mean, that's, that's all you really need to know. But he's, he's poetic. He's brilliant. He's funny. He's kind. He's really a nice man. And it was a thrill for me to walk into Dodger Stadium. And he would just quit what he was doing. He's always doing research. He would quit what he's doing, and he would give me that big smile. And, hey, Pat, how are you? <laughs> and it just made you feel great. You know, A, that Vin Scully knows my name, and B, that he's actually happy to see me, and we're going to sit down and have a few laughs together. So um, I miss I miss going to Dodger Stadium to broadcast a game because, frankly, that was one of the coolest things about working a Cubs-Dodgers game at Dodger Stadium, knowing that Vin Scully was right next door broadcasting the same game that I was. Amazing feeling. I, I was at Dodger Stadium a few years ago, and I, I accidentally took a wrong turn and ended up on the, the club level. And for those who don't know, they have a kind of a mini Dodger museum on there, and there's a whole display case full of, of Vin Scully memorabilia from his last broadcast, his scorebook. It's, it's definitely worth checking out. It's amazing. I'm going to look for that the next time I go there. Yeah, that must be I'm, brand I'm, new. I'm hope, uh, this was 2017. I'm hoping it's still there. I, I have photos to prove it, but it's uh, it was on the club level um, right down the hall from the radio booth, and they had a, a dis- they have some Dodger trophies there, and then they had a display case of, of some Vin Scully memorabilia. It was really cool to see that up okay. close. So moving on, you you know you spent, as we, we mentioned at the top, that you're – coming into your 25th season hopefully we can get the season started safely soon how first off i guess how how are you doing i mean you should be a month into the season by now this has got to be unusual for you it is uh yes because this is uh, baseball more than any other sport i think is is a lifestyle in addition to being a job it's um it's a whole deal of of working every day and traveling every other week and packing your suitcase and performing and preparing and resting and going to hotels and none of that is happening right now. So yes. Um, but, uh, I'm older and I'm just trying to kind of take care of myself. Thank goodness. We have a, a treadmill down in the basement. So I get a workout every other day. I run, I got elastic bands that I use. Um, I do a lot of reading. I'm still preparing as if I was ready to do a game today or tomorrow. Not that I will, <laughs> But I still try to keep up and know what's going on. Um, so it's it's unusual. I, I think that uh, everyone in the in the industry wants there to be a season, but I think we have to use common sense and uh, nobody wants to come back too soon. And I think it would be a mistake if society in general uh, opened things back up too soon because if it came back and it was twice as bad as it right. is now, mm-hmm. it would be a complete disaster. Uh-huh. So I think, I think we really should be smart about trying to prevent that kind of a scenario. I, I agree with you. 
I mean, it's it's been been a weird month. It's for a month and a half for for us. So not not to drag the show down a bit, but <laughs> coming back up on no, that's all right. That's uh, reality. That's, yeah, yeah, that's real life stuff. You know, you you came to the Cubs. You said in 1995, if my math is correct. You you walk in and you meet a late in his career Harry Carey and a relatively early into his broadcasting career Ron Santo. What was what was that like? It was a big transition because I went from one of the smallest markets, Milwaukee, to one of the biggest. And I went from the American League to the National League. Now Milwaukee has joined mm-hmm. the National League, but they were in the American the entire time I was there. Um, so it was it was a transition. There's no question about it. Plus, I went from doing three innings of radio play-by-play every day to all nine innings, every single inning of every single game in Chicago. And um, that was a big transition. And Santo, Ron Santo, was a, a, a very gracious man, and he welcomed me with open arms. He made it clear right from the start to the audience that he approved of me and that he liked me and that he... He was having fun working with me, which went a long way toward me gaining acceptance with Cub fans. Harry Carey also went out of his way to make me feel welcome. He came over to the booth one day. It was around the 5th of May, so we were about a a month into my first season. And he just came into the booth. He spent a lot of time in the radio booth, by the way. Mm -hmm. He was a radio man, and he, he knew that I was completely dedicated and he knew that I worked hard and he liked what I did. And he said, Pat, I just want you to know that everyone really loves the work you're doing. Oh, and, oh man. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't ask for that. It was completely <laughs> on his own. Wow. And uh, I will forever be grateful to him for that. And, and, and again, Ron Santo was very welcoming and gracious as well. So it was uh, a tough transition, but, um, you know, those two guys made it, made it better. Uh, it's just a bigger job. It's a much bigger job. The sponsorships, the ratings, the salaries, yes, those are bigger too. Mm-hmm. But everything is just bigger in Chicago than it is in Milwaukee. On, on the... Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, actually, Kate has lived in both places, so she, she knows firsthand. Mm-hmm. So on on the topic of Ron Santo, I'm not sure where to begin because there's there's so many places you could start there. Um, you know, with your, your baseball voices CD, which we'll get into here in, in, in a little bit, my, I, I told you when I emailed you, the, the Ron Santo album is, is by far my favorite. And it just, it cracks me up every time I listen to it, hearing some of, of the stories. What's, well, th- thank you. Go ahead. What, what, uh, you know, what, what, what's your favorite Ron Santo story? I would say, uh, and and by the way, the the Baseball Voices series that I've referenced, it's available at BaseballVoices.com for any of your listeners. Uh, These are commemorative audio tributes to baseball's greatest announcers. There are two special CDs. One is the Ron Santo, which is not about baseball at all or baseball announcing. It's just about the fun that he and I had. They called it the Pat and Ron Show, Mm -hmm. and it's all the wacky and silly and hilarious things that he said and did i, th- I think my favorite one would have to be the um the hairpiece incident <laughs> at uh, shea stadium <clears throat> it was a cold night I'll, I'll just give the quick version it was a very chilly april evening at shea stadium in the visiting radio booth and they had this old-fashioned electric heater 
over our heads, the kind that glowed a bright orange when you turned it on. So we stand for the national anthem, and Ron Santo, bless his heart, made the mistake of standing a little too close to this electric heater. And halfway through the anthem, I smell something burning, and then I hear something sizzling like bacon on a stove. Zzz. I turned to my left. Ron Santo's hairpiece was on fire. There was a flame shooting out the top of his head. I did what any good broadcast partner would have done. I grabbed a glass of water and I splashed him on top of the head. Smoke still kind of billowing out. And so that's the way the broadcast began, which is not the way you really want to begin a big league broadcast, by the way. No, and, and Ron, but, um, Ron did not Ron, like Shea Stadium at all. <laughs> Well, but Ron uh, was very, he was a very handsome man, but he was very vain about his appearance, too. And his first thought after I splashed him was, how does it look? <laughs> well, how does it look? I almost laughed right in his face. It looked like Tiger Woods had taken a pitching wedge and whacked one right off the top of his head. There was a divot in the top of Ron Santo's head. But what he thought was always funny, and this is true, this is one of the only completely true things about this entire story, by the way. The Mets starting pitcher that night was Al Leiter. <laughs> I love that story so much. <laughs> oh, man. No matter how many times I hear that, that's always going to be funny to me. <laughs> but there, there are a lot of stories. And uh, there was one, uh, another one that I thought was hilarious was the, the yogurt machine in <laughs> Phoenix. Um, it's before the game. We're having lunch in the lunchroom at Chase Field, and Ronnie loved frozen yogurt. And he saw this machine, but there was a big sign. It said, do not turn this machine on until game time. Signed, the management. And Santo looked at it, and he looked at me, and he said, I can't wait till game time. I got to be on the air. And then he said, besides, I'm Ron Santo. So <laughs> So he grabs this gigantic cup, one of those, it's like a popcorn cup, and he starts filling it with this frozen yogurt, and he, he's kind of got that smug look like he's putting one over on everyone else, and he's smarter than everyone else, and he had that smug look on his face right up until the moment that he realized he could not turn the machine <laughs> off. Yogurt starts spilling out onto the counter. Now Ronnie starts shaking the, the machine and cursing. And I thought he was going to break the thing. Now yogurt is onto the floor. It's a huge mess. So Ron does what any mature seventh grader would have done. He runs away. <laughs> this is somebody else's problem. I'm Ron Santos. See you later. Bye. <laughs> and then the next night, the next night, the lady who did the cleaning up of that lovely mess, she recognized Ron. She saw him running away. It's like she got a license plate on it or something, but she, she recognized him and she said, oh, it's you, Mr. Yoga. Nice to have you back. <laughs> Such a classic. Mr. Yogurt. Mr. Yogurt. So that's what his name was for the next 10 days or so. <laughs> it's Pat Hughes along with Mr. Yogurt. We've got game one of a three-game series. Uh, amazing. So... Real quick, we're, uh, we're running out of time, but I want to get to the 2016 Cubs season, which was amazing for, for many people. And, I mean, obviously the World Series was in there. You, you called a no-hitter for Jake Arrieta that year, if I remember correctly. 
what, yes. what what stands out like with i mean so much happened that year what what stands out to you from that and even well, after I, I it was incredible it was like living a dream and i'm so proud that i was part of it just happy to be part of the scene you know just everything uh the millions of fans who had never seen a World Series championship finally got to have their dream come true. That in itself was just a, a wonderful experience. The fact that I got to become the first Cubs broadcaster ever to say the words, the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. Because when you think about it, 1908, their previous World Series, there was no such thing as baseball on the radio. Nope. There was no radio, in fact. There was certainly no television, so I was the first Cubs announcer to get to say those magical words, and I was greatly honored and, and proud to do that. But um, I think Game 7 of the World Series and the final out will be one of the most special moments of my entire life, obviously the biggest moment of my career. And um, then the, you know, so the team wins the World Series. Two days later, we have a parade and a rally downtown Chicago, and reported estimates had five million people attending the the rally and the parade and they said that was the seventh highest attended event in human history (laughs) human history history. and the other references were to things like pilgrimages to mecca millions of years ago (laughs) we're talking this is a big deal um, and I was the MC, and I remember the, the rally was at a place called Grant Park, mm-hmm. and I was the MC. Now, I've, I've been the MC of many events in my career, and I don't get nervous anymore, usually. But I looked out, there was this ocean of humanity. As far as you could see, there were people, and I mean, this is a gigantic field, um, acres and acres of land, and filled wall to wall people. And I, I talked to the guy who was the engineer. He's giving me my microphone. I said, about how many people do you think are here today? And he looked out. He said, well, we had a Rolling Stones concert here a few years ago, and they had 800,000. I think there's even more here today. He said, I think we have 900,000. And I just laughed because, you know, you you get to a point there's so many people. They just want to have fun. There was no reason to be nervous, so I just went out and, you know, did the show and how about those cubbies? And, and I, I, I think I said, before we introduce the players, there are four people that I really would like to introduce. I wish they could be here, but they're not. And those four are Ernie Banks, Ron Santo, mm-hmm. Harry Carey, and Jack Brickhouse. Mm-hmm. It was, it was very special. I'm, I have to rewind real quick to to the towards the end of Game Seven. I mean, obviously, like I, I had literally just moved to Phoenix a few months before. I'm just I jokingly said I moved to Chicago to see the Cubs win the World Series, and then I leave and they do. But <laughs> you're 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 getting towards the you know the seventh, eighth, ninth inning, and Cleveland is. You thought it was in the bag. Cleveland is coming back, rallying. They tie the game. Was there ever a point you felt nervous? even as a broadcaster? Of course. Absolutely. The whole game. (laughs) (laughs) I was nervous about the outcome. I was nervous about what I might say at the very end, if indeed the Cubs would win. So yes, absolutely. I was, um, I, it didn't, it didn't crush me when Rajay Davis hit the home run the way it did some people, 
I wasn't happy, but it only tied the game. Yep. It, it had, had it given the Indians the lead, that would have been a whole different story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm a competitor. I told you I was an athlete when I was a young man. If the team ties you up, okay, game on. That's not a big deal. We just got to go back to work. That's all. So you don't, it's certainly no time to give up. Um, but was I nervous? Absolutely I was. Just knowing how many millions and millions of people were hanging on every single play of this game, hoping that 108 years of frustration would finally be washed away. And, so, yeah, absolutely I was. I mean, the Indians have the second longest drought. I mean, their fans are just as nervous as, as the Cubs fans were. I mean, it was it was an incredible series all around. Well, we had Tom Verducci, the great sports writer for Sports Illustrated, in our booth the following spring because he wrote a book on the Cubs and he was in our booth promoting it. And I, I said, Tom, in terms of the other game sevens in World Series history, where would you rank that ball game between the Cubs and Indians? He said, number one. That's the, that's the greatest game seven that there's ever been, uh, considering all the factors, the back and forth, the extra innings the drama, and the two droughts, DJ, that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And the rain delay. I mean, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I just watching that game from my living room and they brought the tarp out and I'm just like, I, I, I can't take any more of this. I'm just like curled up on the couch. And I'm like, I, I don't, I, I can't, I, I don't want to watch, but I can't stop. I mean, it's just so much emotion. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I I'm getting. So. You can tell yeah. I'm getting worked up talking, uh, just talking about it. <laughs> now, now, speaking of getting worked up, Kate, are you getting worked up because you haven't had a chance to ask a question yet? <laughs> oh, I'm used to this. DJ likes to talk. She she doesn't well, like I, to talk, which is ironic. Well, while DJ kind of settles down after thinking about Game Seven of the World Series, would you have a question that you would like to ask me? I'm. I realize you're on the I phone actually, and. I love to ask five questions that um, kind of give like more of a human view to our listeners. So I'd like to ask you those now. Fire away. Do you want long or short answers? Short. Okay. What, what song would be your life's theme song? Hmm. Night moves. <laughs> <laughs> I love that song. There's a song called Ridge Top that I love. Van Morrison has so many songs. Golden Autumn Day. Um, how about how about go, Man Has to Struggle? There's one of my favorites for Van Morrison. Okay. What makes a proper hot dog? Hmm. I would say juiciness. And no real, and, and a slightly salty flavor. What is one piece of advice current you would give past you 25 years ago? Let me go back to the hot dog. Soft buns also. Ah. Soft oh, buns. Oh, yeah, for sure. Warm, warm soft buns. Now, would that answer also apply to your third question or not? <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> what, was the, what was the third question? What is one piece of advice current you would give past you 25 years ago? I would say warm, soft buns. <laughs> no, let's see. What? One question that would get by me. 
I'm not sure, Kate. Please, please phrase that again. Um, what is what advice would you give yourself 25 years ago? Oh, okay. what advice now? would you give yourself 25 years ago? Um, I, hmm. Let's see. I would have been just coming to Chicago. Um, I, I was very humbled by being here, so I, I think that was the right approach. I didn't come in trying to be a big deal, so that was the right approach. I, I think what I would have done would have been, once I got this job, I continued to work college basketball for about another five to ten years. And as it turned out, it was not really all that essential. I was making a good living, uh, and I didn't need to do it, but I had that just that insecurity that I think most broadcasters have. And I wish that I could have coached my oldest daughter's basketball teams uh, earlier than I did. I ended up coaching her when she got to be about the fifth or sixth grade. But uh, the advice that I would give myself then would be forget about doing any more college basketball. Just enjoy your off season with your daughters, coach both of them, be around them because they're not going to be here uh, your whole life. And boy, I really miss them. I really do. So that would be, that would be my advice. Okay. What is your favorite quarantine activity right now? I would say, hmm, quarantine activity. I, I would just say working out in the gym. Um, I, I don't get stir crazy I, I, because I, I run and work up a real good sweat. I'm in pretty good shape, so I try to stay as healthy as I can. And, and that would be the favorite thing. Every other day, like clockwork, I go down to the basement and, and run on the treadmill. So I know it doesn't sound real glamorous, but uh, that's that's my favorite current thing going. Okay. Have you been watching Tiger King? <laughs> I have not. No. Oh, and I just it's... I just did uh, record. I, I don't do what everyone else does, uh, Kate and DJ. That's just part of my personality. I don't. I'm not part of a big gang or a big group. I never have been. I'm always an independent thinker, and many times that leads me to uh, doing things that other people don't. So I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, no, I, I, I don't even know much about the Tiger King. I kind of read something about it today, um, and there was a parallel to a, a real-life character that the, the story is based on. But I, I know very little about it, and uh, no, I have not. And I, I have not yet watched the last dance about the Bulls' championship season. But I'm, I'm recording it, and I will start to watch it soon. Okay. Um, Coke or Pepsi? I do not drink soft drinks. Wow. I am not a soft drinker. I'm, a, I'm a water drinker. Um, I've had four surgeries on my vocal cords in the last five years or so, mm -hmm. and uh, caffeinated uh, caffeine drinks. I, I can still drink coffee, but uh, nothing like Coke or Diet Coke or anything like that. I don't drink beer anymore. Don't dr In fact, I don't drink any alcohol anymore. I used to be a, a moderate drinker, low to moderate, but now I, I have not even had a single drink of alcohol in in the last six years so um don't don't drink uh don't drink a lot of things that are bad for you i can respect that yeah i feel i feel good i'm glad i've i'm glad i've given up all that stuff 
Those were all my Those questions. are five. All right. So real quick before we wrap up. I, uh, I actually oh, go for I it. actually counted six. Ah. I, I think there were six there. <laughs> yeah. So, I cheated. But I'll, I'll let it go. Hey, way to go, Kate. So real quick before we wrap up, um, the baseball voices, we've talked a little bit about it throughout the show. Uh, I mean, what, what, you know, obviously you said you, you love producing and writing. I mean, what, is that the reason for, for doing this? Well, it's an off season job too. Uh, after my daughters were done playing basketball and they got too big, uh, I needed an off season job. I didn't want to do any more travel or any more college basketball or anything like that. And you have about five months off, and I don't hunt or fish. Uh, I do work out a lot, but I had to do something, and it was an off-season job, and it it allowed me to learn a lot more about my business and about the individuals who have come before me and the great announcers. So it's it's been a learning thing. It's been uh, it's been fairly lucrative at times, um, and it, it's just it's a great feeling when you. Start doing the research, and these things are a ton of work. I, I probably listen to hundreds of hours of tapes and CDs before I even get in the studio and think about uh, putting together tracks. So it's a lot of work, but every time you're listening, you're learning. And I, I just like the learning process. My father was a professor at San Jose State. My mom was a an elementary school teacher, so I think that love of learning has been part of my life forever and it still is and i think it will be until i'm until i'm gone but um baseball voices uh they are they're the, they're the highlights of the greatest announcers and there are 17 of them harry carey and red barber and jack buck and bob Euchre and marty brenneman and milo hamilton and uh john miller bob costas is the latest Chuck Thompson is in there. I don't want to leave anybody mm. out. Now I better go over and kind of check my list here. Who <laughs> and, else? And, Denny and, Matthews, Russ Hodges, Lon Simmons, Harry Callis. How could I forget him? Bob Prince is part of the group. Uh, Ron Santo, as we mentioned. You mentioned Euchre. Um, and then we put a special one together about the Cubs winning the World Series. But they're available at BaseballVoices.com. And the cool thing is, we get a lot of repeat business, so that tells you you must be doing something right. Absolutely, I love it. I just yeah. I think it's a great way to document a, a, an extensive history of, of a, a great game. Well, I, I like it, and, and again, it's a labor of love, and I'm learning a lot and having fun with it. So I'm going to keep on doing it. Do you, Do you have an idea who your next project will be? Nope, <laughs> not not at this point. Okay. No, Costas was the the latest. I could not do any marketing last autumn uh, for a variety of reasons, but uh, I was going to market the thing here in the spring, but now you can't really do any marketing in this particular climate, mm -hmm. so I'm going to wait. And I've always done the, the bulk of the work uh, on, on uh, planes and in hotel rooms on the road during the season. I don't even know if those are going to happen this year. Yeah, wow. So, but anyway, baseballvoices.com is where they are. Awesome. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap up. Pat, thank you so much. This has been an absolute treat uh, for coming on with us today, especially on short notice. That's okay. Happy thank to do it, DJ. And Kate, thank you to you too. All right. Well, thank you very much. And for everyone else, uh, visit us at stadiumscene.tv. Check us out on social media at Stadium Scene on Facebook, Pinterest, and Twitter, and Stadium underscore Scene on Instagram. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next time.